Comprehending God's goodness in a crazy world. Comprehending God's goodness in a crazy world. How many of you know we live in a crazy world? And so this, this idea of looking at comprehending God's goodness, finding God's goodness in everyday life, and, and uh, some of the things that are going on in our world today. But, but I would even speak to this. I, I, God, I don't think, just laid this on my heart because of things that are going on. We live in a crazy world. Whether you watched the news this week, last week, or a year ago, we live in a crazy world. And so where do we find God's goodness in that? And where do we land as Christian people, as the salt of the earth, the, the people who are, are, are bringing to the forefront? Um, you know what? We do live in a crazy world, but God's good. He's good. And so this scripture right here, which we'll, we'll jump out of this over the next few weeks, Psalms 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So taste and see the Lord's good. Now, I love steak, right? Yeah, okay. If you don't eat meat, then eggplant, <laughs> zucchini, whatever you eat. I, I, love, I love steak, but, but there's this thing about steak. You can't really understand how good steak is unless you have steak, right? So we can talk about steak. We can talk about cooking out this afternoon. We can talk about my, my parents are here and my daughter's here and, and my son-in-law. Yeah, yeah. She's pregnant. You seen her? It's so good to have you all here and, and my heart's full. Anyway, so, so we, can, we can talk about steak, but you can't really, really talk about steak until you taste the steak and our eggplant. So you got to throw that in there for some reason. I don't know why. But, but so, so here, here's the idea. So I thought I would go. I've got a steak cooking right now on the grill. Did you see the grill outside my office, Glenn? You did? Yeah. No, you did. Yeah. Man. Did you take the steak? <laughs> so I'm going to go out, flip it, bring it back in, and we're going to taste it together. You ready? Yeah. Taste and see. The, all right, here we go. So is that on? Oh, I smell that. Let's go out and see how it has cooked. Oh, yeah. Smoke everywhere. Oh, one of my favorite things to do right here. Oh, I think that's ready to eat. What do you guys think? Let's take it back in and see. Here we go. Taste and see the Lord is good. Who's hungry? Steak. I've really just got through cooking that. Can you believe that? Does anybody believe that? The first service was gullible. So I'm going to take a little bite this service because, yeah. Mmm. Mmm. That's good, isn't it? Can you, can you live vicariously through me right now? You feeling me? The third service is going to be like. <laughs> Taste and see the Lord's good. And so we'll put that right there. And um, we auctioned the first one off in the first service. Somebody gave like six grand for a steak. 
I'm kidding. They didn't. Comprehending God's goodness in a crazy world. Taste and see the Lord's good. And so I'm praying about this service, and I'm praying for you guys and, and thinking about where to go with this. And, and I landed, so I'm, I'm reading, and I, I go over to Hebrews. I love Hebrews. I, lo- I love the whole, the whole book. And so I read the first chapter, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you know what, stop, read the last chapter. And the writer of Hebrews gives us this amazing blueprint, this, this awesome there, there are several things that we can pull out of the 13th chapter of Hebrews that really point towards God's goodness and where we can find God's goodness. And so I would just say this, as we, as we explore the 13th chapter of Hebrews today, let's do this. Let's think about how we can, through our everyday life, explore God's goodness and let that goodness flow through us into the people around us, Right? Because Lord knows everyone's looking for God's goodness in a crazy world that we're living in. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Are you still stuck on the stake? Yeah. You are? Yeah. Okay. Well, we got to move past the stake. Number one. Here we go. God's goodness is found in love. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Keep on loving one another's brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. God's goodness is found in love. Now, we, we, we use the word love a lot, don't we? Just like this generation uses the word like. Like, uh, like, uh, you know, like, uh, like, uh, like, it was so cool, like, it was so awesome, like, but we love, we love a lot of things, like, I love Lucky Charms, like, uh, you got it, me and you, babe, like, we're, we're on the same page, no, we, we, I love coffee, I love hunting, I love this, I love that, and, and you, and, and we use, don't we throw that word, we throw it around a lot, don't we, love, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, I don't like you, but I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Yet when we, when we read the Bible, which is God's love letter to us, you can't read this book without understanding how much God loves us. He's infatuated with humanity. He's infatuated with all through the Old Testament into the New Testament. He, he, he is so in love with you and I. We're the apple of his eye, the Bible says. And so when we talk about God's love, we can't relegate that to some kind of love like we love a certain type of food. We have to go so much deeper in understanding in our everyday life that the goodness of God is found in the love of God. And through expressing that love to a lost and dying world, we experience the goodness of God in our own life. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. So, how many of you have a brother, sister? Yeah, I never had a sister. I've, I've got an older brother, and it's interesting to me. The writer of Hebrews is saying, "Love each other like brothers and sisters." You got to just take a like a second take on that one. You're like, wait a minute, my brother and I fought all the time, but there's no one in this world that would stand up for me quicker than my brother. And so this idea of loving each other as brothers and sisters, loving each other in the way that God loved us, we find the goodness of God in loving one another. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. And and I I love Hebrews. I I told you I love the book. But the idea 
behind here is so simplistic. And I believe the most anointed things and the most awesome things in the Bible are so simple because God knew how dumb we were going to be, so he made it really simple. Show hospitality. In other words, be nice. Hello. Don't be angry. Like, so, so the church has gotten really good over the years at being, like, angry. Where did we get off on angry trail? Like, the, the world knows what the church is against, but what are we for? Like, <laughs> like, don't forget to show, don't forget to be nice. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And so sharing God's love with a lost and dying world, think about this. So I I read the Bible, and I believe the Bible is verbatim. I I believe it's true. It's not an allegory. It's not some abstract idea. It's truth. Every period, every word is truth. So this scripture tells me that I'm going to get to heaven one day, and and I'm going to see, oh, wow, that was an angel. And angels are not going to look like I think that angels should look. Because the world's told me that they are fat and they have a bow and arrow and they sit in flower beds and they're ch- <laughs> which this is a different message, but remember every time you see an angel in the Bible, somebody gets scared. Like they're awesome creatures. But so I'm gonna entertain angels by sharing God's love. Don't forget to show hospitality. In other words, don't forget to be nice. How how can we find God's goodness in a crazy world? Could you be nice? Right? And again, if you're going to use sign language in traffic, take the honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker off of your car. (laughs) It's so true. So true. Some of you do it in our church parking lot. It's like, could you at least wait till you get out of the church parking lot before you yell at someone? Be nice. Be nice is is what Hebrews is. Will you find goodness in, 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 in showing hospitality? Number two. God's goodness leads us to being compassionate. Hebrews 13, 3, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. How can we find God's goodness in a crazy world? We can be nice and we can have compassion. The root word of compassion there is passion. Remember like 13, 14 years ago, the passion of the Christ came out and, and, and the, the whole idea of it coming to the forefront in theaters of what God actually did for us in sending his only son, Jesus, to die for us. And the passion of Jesus wanting to please his father in heaven, leading him to a horrific cross. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. In other words, identify with those coworkers who are going through something as if you were going through it. And I, I, prison here, Paul, Paul's writing it. Well, some people say Paul. The writer of Hebrews is writing here in the sense of understanding what it is to be locked up. But I would submit to you today that we live in a community and a world where people are locked up even though they roam free. Locked up in addiction, locked up in dysfunction, locked up in regret, locked up. Like every day of our life, we come across people. And how many times do we, how many times a day do we get so busy and so important that we forget to place ourselves in that coworker's shoes, in that family member's shoes, and, and think just for a second what it must be like to be them? Because if you'll do that, which Hebrews 13.3 says, if you'll actually do that, then it, it leads you to a place of prayer is what it does. 
Because we can't fix people. Coastline Community Church can't fix people. Missionaries can't fix people. Preachers can't fix people. We can't even fix ourselves most days. Prayer fixes people. Coming to a place where you're, you're compassionate and, you're, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. In other words, am I putting myself in someone else's shoes and, and, and taking their burden on as my own? This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Like this, this is what Christ followers, should, we should be doing this with our lives. That's troublesome, isn't it? It's very troublesome because like the Good Samaritan story, you got to get off the high horse. You got to get down in the ditch and you got to get with this beaten up, bruised person and you got to help bandage their wounds. Then it costs money. It costs time, our greatest resource. You got to give yourself over to helping, putting yourself in someone else's position so that they can experience the goodness of God in a crazy world. See, if I'm going to taste and see the Lord's good, then I can't just keep that to myself. I can't wake up on Monday, tomorrow morning and go out to my porch and grab my cup of coffee and sit with God and experience his goodness in my life and get so excited about who God is in my life. And here I've got this great life and then leave my house and refuse to share that with other people. How do we do that? We become too important. And so this idea of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Now, if you're like me, you want to fix everybody. And you can get very overwhelmed with that, right? Just pick somebody tomorrow. Pick somebody this week. Okay, pick somebody this month. Pick somebody this year, if you will. If if you're slow, but you're worth waiting on. Just say, okay, I'm going to help this person this year. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to share God's goodness that I've experienced in my own life. I'm going to put myself in their shoes, and then I'm, I'm going to see what God does. Experiencing, comprehending the goodness of God comes through the church of God, comes through us as the body of Christ. Number three, you guys good? God's goodness brings contentment and confidence. Verse Five of Hebrews chapter 13. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Contentment. Contentment's an interesting word, isn't it? Contentment, to be content. To, to be content. What does to be content? Content with my marriage, content with my finances, content with what, what I drive. But doesn't, doesn't sometimes when we start looking around at what other people have, doesn't it cause us at some point to go? Like, why don't I have that? <laughs> well, it's another message. You don't have that because that's the kind of attitude you have, but that's a whole nother. No, could we, could we be content with what we have? Could we, could we rejoice in someone else having something better than we have? Contentment. There's a power that comes in contentment. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Every religion in the world strives for contentment, enlightenment, contentment. Like you'll be at peace if you do this, if you do this, if you do this. My Bible's telling me in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and it's quoting, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So on the good days, on the bad days, when I don't have a lot, when I have too much, I can be content in what God is in my life, who he is to me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. 
There's a contentment that comes in that. And so if I'm living my life, I don't know if this is a word, uncontented, not a word. If I'm, if, if I'm not content in my everyday life, then I have to look at what I'm actually basing my happiness on, right? Like I'm, I have to really assess what, what waves of life can come my way to make me unhappy or to make me happy. When at the end of the day, I have a God that loved me so much he gave his only son to die for me, and he's never going to leave me, and he's never going to forsake me. And through that contentment comes a confidence. Verse 6, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Contentment brings confidence. Because when I know I have a Lord that has never leave me, he's never going to forsake me, I walk a little bit different. I face Monday a little bit different. I face that, that boss that just seems to have it out for me a little bit different. I mentioned my brother earlier, and, and um, I, I, Jeff and I went to um, uh, early on a middle school, uh, no, elementary school, where, um, how do I put it? It was integrated because we were there. So... So, and if you, if you know me, you know my heart, that's just not even an issue. So, but here, here, here was the thing. Like I, I would duck out of certain gym classes and certain activities so that I didn't have to face certain people that would pick on me. But when my brother was around, (laughs) there was a swagger. Because if he got beat up, I didn't care. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? So, but there was, a, there was a confidence that went about how I went about my day if I knew my brother was going to cross paths with me in certain situations. Because he had my, always had my back. And that, that is what Hebrews is saying right here. Look, say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In other words, what can this world do to me that God hasn't already fixed? He said... You're going to have troubles in this world, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I've got this God who has got my back every day of my life. And I don't live with prideful swagger. I live with a humble ability to say, God, you got this. God, you got this. Whatever I'm going through today, you got it. Like I, I can, I can face today knowing I've got confidence in my God. Period. That's where the adventure of Christianity gets really interesting. Because you know we get, we can have this pseudo Christianity. Oh yeah, I've got perfect attendance. Been to church. Da, 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 da. I'm a good person. But do you have the confidence and humility to say? Ooh, life's coming at me very rapid right now. Yet I am going to rest in the fact that God's got this. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. What can mere mortals do to me? I love that. I love that because it's just like, bam. I don't need to struggle with the approval of man. What can people do to me anyway? Right? And so take that with you tomorrow as a child of God. There are so many advantages that we have as children of God placing our faith in Jesus Christ that we take for granted. We absolutely take them for granted. We, we take for granted that we have this confidence to walk in. We don't have to fear. 
We don't have to worry. Next thing. You guys still here? God's goodness gives strength through grace. Hebrews 13, 7 through 9. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. Think about this just for a second. Your heart being strengthened by grace. We looked at Jude a few weeks ago, and we talked about those who were doing the snatching and those who needed to be snatched, right? The Jude, the one book, of the, okay, right before Revelation. And then we looked in Matthew and we looked at like this crazy world. But, but so here's the, the idea. Don't, don't be carried off by strange teachings. And this is what strange teachings are. I don't have time to go into this. Listen to the message the last two weeks I was here. Strange teachings are teachings that go against this book. Amen. I'm at the wrong church. <laughs> like, this is God's truth. And, and so then, and that's why we have to stick so close, especially even in the last days, we stick so close to this book. It's not archaic. It's not uh, abstract. It is God's truth. On every decision that we make, we have to reference the Word of God in our life. And then it goes on. So don't be carried away by these things, these strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. In other words, you can't be strengthened by doing enough good. You can only be strengthened by God's goodness in a crazy world through grace. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, let your hearts be strengthened by God's grace. Your heart, who you are, every day of your life. Let it be strengthened. Now, we have a hard time understanding God's grace, don't we? Because we live and we're raised in much part of you got to do this, 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 and this to get this, right? Like uh, report cards. I'm going to tell them both of you. Yeah, if, you, if, if it falls below a C, you get spanked. And I know a lot of you don't believe in spanking anymore. Again, let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> but... But I, I can remember my dad going, hey, dude, like, you have to do better than this. For me, it was D, D minus in certain s- subjects. But, but we're, we're raised to perform, and as we perform, then we're, we get, like, accolades, right? And that's, th- that never goes away. That go- that's on your job. That, that's in the work. That's anywhere you Like, you perform, and you get a raise, which is a good thing. You perform, and you, you, get, you get this approval. Where's grace in that? See, on our best day, we're not good enough. On our worst day, we're not bad enough. God's grace is sufficient. And we have, so, so how do we experience the goodness of God in a crazy world? We let our, our lives be strengthened by God's grace. Now, we can't camp out in grace camp, Right? Uh, just do whatever. No. We can be strengthened in grace camp, and then we can share that grace with those around us, and we can experience that grace through God and his goodness, and we can operate in that grace because when I operate from a standpoint of grace, I want to be better. Like, I, I want to I I be good. 
Um, there, there are certain people that, and this is so not spiritual. Um, Justin Timberlake. Did you just, oh, come get with my wife later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, but, but uh, country music awards. Did anybody watch those? I would never watch that. <laughs> Except that I was showing grace to my wife by watching that. But, but Justin Timberlake and Chris Stapleton did this duo couple songs, and I am digressing majorly here. But it, I can remember watching that going, dude, that guy's killing it. He actually makes me want to be better. And again, not spiritual, not in a spiritual way. But, but the, the whole idea of wanting, and so, but I bring that back to what God has done in my life. Jesus makes me want to be better. Jesus makes me want to be better to the world that he's placed me in. Jesus makes me want to be better. He makes me Christian, Christ-like. Hello. Let your heart be strengthened today by the fact that you can't be good enough. And that's not, again, that's not going to sell a lot of books, right? You can't be good enough. You're not going to sell many of those. But isn't it true? The writer of Hebrews is saying, look, let your heart be strengthened. Let it be strengthened by God's grace in your life. Not worrying about how good or not good you can be because all this stuff the world says is good or even religion says is good is not going to help you a bit. What has helped you is God's grace by sending his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Next thing, last thing, actually. God's goodness is forever. In Hebrews 13, and we get to the end of chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy places of sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore, for here we do not have an enduring, uh, enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Woo! So, all right, pay off. Pay off right here. So if I'm going to put my faith in Jesus and I'm going to let his grace, God's grace, strengthen my heart, then we get to the, uh, the end of the book of Hebrews and it's saying, listen, and, and all, of, all throughout Hebrews, if you've never read Hebrews, it always makes reference to the law. And so it talks about how a priest, talks about the, the way that the priest would go in and they would have sacrifices and they would do this, this, and this to appease God. And then uh, all of a sudden it gets to the end of Hebrews. And after saying everything that the writer has said, gets to this place and says, look, here's the bottom line. Take strength in your heart through the grace of God. And it's the grace of God made known in the person of Jesus. So let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. In other words, he was, he was crucified outside the city. He was crucified on a hill. He was the high priest. He was the Lamb of God that gave himself over. And, and so we don't have this life that we put so much stock into. We have a city that's coming. I've got a mansion just over the hillside. I got a house with my name on it. We've talked about this before. I don't know what God calls me. 
My folks called me Jason. I don't know what my mansion is going to say. But we, we have to, every once in a while, be strengthened by the grace of God in our life and think just for a moment about eternity. I love, I, I absolutely love being around people who live in the light of eternity. I do. I, I, I love it. I, I love being around people who talk you know, there's just a different element in their life. What they've given their thing, their self over to speaks to eternity. And so we're faced with this question today. Where are we going to spend eternity? And you know, this is where some of you start squiggling around in your seat. And uh, we've purposed at this church, this church is about preaching the Bible and about eternity. Yeah, like you have to think about that just for a moment. Every once in a while. And if you can't think about that at church, then find a new church. Because this is where God brings us to a place of realizing his grace and then pointing towards a city that's to come, eternity. So we, we, we in the first service today, four or five people gave their hearts to the Lord. And it was amazing to see the look on their face of going, you know what? I'm, okay, I'm, I'm finally going to think about this. I'm finally going to think just for a moment about eternity. And it's obviously not up to me whether what decision you make in your own life. It's your faith, and you have to put your faith somewhere. But the, the idea is you can't dodge that. God's goodness is forever, forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. If I'm way off base on that one, I guess I'll show up one day and I'm not because this Bible says I'm not. My wife's just going, no, you're not. <laughs> God's goodness is found in forever. His love is found forever. His grace that strengthens our heart is forever. And we have an opportunity today to experience that grace. How do I do that? The Bible says that we're justified in the eyes of God through putting our faith in Jesus Christ, Romans 5. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. In other words, I've been made right in the eyes of God through what Jesus did for me. I can't do enough. Jesus already did it. Have you you put your faith in Jesus as the Messiah? Salvation is a belief factor. Salvation is simply putting your faith in the fact that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. You believe he lived a sinless life. You believe he took your death and sin on the cross. You believe they placed him in a grave. And you believe that he rose from that grave on the third day. You believe that. Nobody can believe that for you. Grandma can't believe that for you. Mom can't believe that for you. Dad can't believe that for you. You have been given a measure of faith. And what you do with that faith is completely on you. Man, I tell you what, if I could believe for all of you in this place right now, I would. I would, but I can't. God's goodness in a crazy world is found forever. Would you bow your head all over this place? Bow your heads. Say, Jason, that's me. I need a starting point. I need a fresh start. I I need to put my faith in Jesus. I, I, I need that in my life today. If you're maybe like those people in the first service, you say, that's me. That's me. I I feel God knocking on my heart right now. This personal decision. No one's moving around. Nobody's looking around. Say, you know what, Jason? That's me. 
I know that I need that. I need salvation in my heart. If that's you, lift your hand long enough for me to see it. Just put it. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else? Say, that's me. Like, I know it. At this very moment, I know that's me. Anyone else before we pray? I'm so proud of some. Yes, so I see your hand, man. It's, God, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. That decision that you're making right now is between you and God. And, and right there where you're sitting, that, that's the altar of your heart. I want to pray with you. Nothing magical about this prayer by the fact that you're recognizing that you need Jesus. The Bible says you're being made into a new creation right now. I do, I do challenge you to go out to the tent, get a Bible, get a devotion. If you're not comfortable doing that, email us. A pastor will get back with you. We want to help you get started on this journey in the right direction. If you raised your hand right where you're sitting, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me, and thank you that I'm in this seat right now. God, thank you for knocking on the door of my heart. And at this very moment, I'm confessing in my heart. I'm putting my faith, my measure of faith, and I'm, I'm confessing I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. I believe that Jesus took my death and sin on the cross. I believe that he was crucified. I believe that he was placed in a grave. He rose from that grave on the third day. I believe that at this very moment. And that belief, God, in reference to your word, is making me into a new creation. Help me, God, to get people around me on this new journey. Give me the boldness to go out to that tent and talk to somebody or send an email. But right now, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that's flooding my soul. In Jesus' name.